Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Joining us today on the show is Dawn Shireen Bernard. She is the host of Dancing with Bipolar. It is all about trying to demystify bipolar and giving a voice to those who are dealing with it. Dawn Shireen, thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods today. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. This is awesome. So tell me a little bit, what got you interested in doing a show about folks who are bipolar? Okay, so the show, the name is Dancing with Bipolar because I have bipolar, but in it, I want to touch all phases of mental wellness issues. But what got me interested is that I have bipolar and it was 15 years ago that I was finally diagnosed with bipolar. And what I would like is that people don't have to go through what I went through if they could just listen to my stories and seek help before it's too late, before you decide to end your lives, before you lose all your jobs and houses. And, you know, it's to promote people to let them know that there's another side to bipolar and that if you can just get to that other side, you can live a pretty decent life. I've got to ask, in what way, like for folks who are hearing this and they're thinking, well, I don't know if I am, I haven't been diagnosed. Like, what are the things that are maybe some early warning signs or how did you yourself, you know, sort of know to get diagnosed in treatment? Yeah, I always knew there was something wrong with my head. Even as a kid, I would have been one of those kids that was diagnosed at like 12 or something with it. But some of them, they really mask like other things like moody teenagers. You're anxious, you're angry, you sleep a lot, you don't sleep enough, you eat all the time or you don't eat enough. Mine, though, were I was starting to slip into like a psychosis type of thing, which definitely makes you want to go see a doctor and find out what is going on with you. So the slip into psychosis is a really high form of mania when you start going manic. So that's how I knew, but I was actually diagnosed on my 40th birthday back East where I grew up in Connecticut after a failed suicide attempt, because that was the only way that I knew to get help, to get into the hospital, to get into the system was to um, kind of sneak my way through it. And that's what I did. And so 15 years later, I'm still not fully recovered. I don't think you ever fully recover from bipolar, but I'm at a stage where it's manageable. And now I can really start to, you know, push my cause and try to help people so that they don't have to feel ashamed of it or feel like if they tell somebody that they're thinking about suicide, that they're going to go to jail or, you know, any of those things that people are terrified of when it comes to mental health issues. I'm so taken aback by the fact that you felt that you had to try to commit suicide just in order for people basically to take notice and to give you the help that you need. Is that still the case today for so many people? Like how do folks go about getting help without having to get to that point? Yeah, that's where it gets sticky. Like here where I live at, we have a place called Change Point where you can make an appointment to go in and see them. However, without a prior diagnosis of anything, it makes it harder for you to get in there. It's hard to find mental health professionals. It shouldn't be that hard. But even on an individual basis, if you don't have private insurance, 
you're kind of doomed. I have disabilities, so I'm on Medicare, and the state of Arizona kicks in a little bit of something called access. But other than that, I mean, if you don't have insurance, I don't know what to tell people to do. That's why I did it the way I did it, so I could get into the system and then finally be part of the wellness thing back in Connecticut where I would get help. But I mean, I actually have recommended it to people. Go in, tell them you're not feeling well. Don't necessarily say suicide because then you're going to get flagged and you're going to be on a 5150 hold. But sometimes you might need that 5150 hold. So, you know, if you're feeling suicidal, just go seek help. But the emergency room is the only way to sneak in the system. There's no other way to do it. So what is a 5150 hold? That's a three-day hold, 72-hour hold to make sure that you're not of a danger to yourself or anybody else. And it's pretty standard if you go into the hospital and say that you're, you know, considering suicide or homicide, either one, that they're going to hold you to make sure that, you know, you're okay. What about, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of coverage in the news lately, especially as we are seeing, you know, the start of the Harvey Weinstein trial and what we saw with Jeffrey Epstein and all these different, you know, forms of abuse and assault. And I mean, there's just a lot of things that people are struggling with today. And so we always hear people say, you know, there are hotlines, there's suicide prevention hotlines, like don't hesitate. You should call. And in fact, we will be sure to put a link to that number in the description of this episode, just in case you're hearing this and want easy access to that information. But what about calling that number? Is that a good place to not only get some support, but to maybe start of initiate the process without having to go through emergency rooms? That is a better way to do it, actually, instead of like clogging up our ER. They will, while you're on the phone with them, there is a crew of people. And you can also text them, 731-731 for text chat. So if you don't want to actually call the hotline, you can text chat it. It's the same people, but you just don't have to actually speak on the phone. But that is a way to bypass it because what will happen is they'll keep you on the phone They'll triangulate where you are and they have your phone number anyway. They will not call emergency response people unless they feel like you are at that point where they cannot help you any longer without having a face to face. But that is a way to do it because you have there'll be a phone log. You'll have this and that that will say that, yes, this person was suicidal, seeking help. That's actually a really smart idea. I'm glad you thought of that. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad to know that it is a good resource that, you know, like yeah. that people don't just say it, you know, that it falls on deaf ears that it actually can, you know, accomplish something. So obviously you have been battling this for a long time. You're seeking treatment, yeah. you're getting help. So the name of your show that was Dancing with Bipolar, where does that come from? Well, it's got a couple of double entendres on it. First of all, I danced ballet for a long, long time. So the dancing thing is always in my head. I still dance with my dog when I walk him. I mean, if I hadn't already been certifiable, you know, people would be like, that girl's crazy. But yeah, I dance with my dog every day. We take a walk to the dock and we dance on the dock. It's, it's our thing. So dancing's always been really key to me as a form of expression. So the dancing with bipolar was like my dance with how I do the cha-cha with him, you know, five steps forward, 13 steps backwards. But then it came to be a little bit more to mean the dancing of the disease and how it comes up around us. And it's very tricky. Like if you're not very mindful about it, it can come up and get you at any point in time if you're not aware of what is going on in your head. So it's the dance with bipolar of always trying to stay that one step ahead of it and not let it over-encompass me so I don't go back into suicidal ideations. I don't go back into wanting to self-harm and things like that. Yeah, and I just got a new logo, which I totally love. It really encompasses it. It's a jewelry box dancer with the box open and all the bipolar badness, you know, death, sadness, injury coming out. 
of, you know, swirling around my dancer. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It is a very descriptive, well-done logo. So Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so you're doing all this. You're trying to help other people out there. What made mm-hmm. you want to go down the podcast route for all of this? <laughs> it was kind of weird. I feel like I didn't have a choice. I had a friend who had started a podcast in uh, December of last, last year. And she kept saying, I need you on the show. We need to, you know, I want you on the show. And I'm like, fine, I'll, you know, once I finally got enough nerves up, I was like, I'll do your show. And then she was overbooked. And I was like, son of a gun. So, you know, I just said, if she could pop a button and record, how hard can it be? So I stayed up one night and set up my anchor account and just did it. And I was terrified. I don't, anybody, if you've not ever recorded a podcast before, it's so funny. That first one is so terrifying, but I decided that I had a voice that a unique voice and it's my voice and it's my story, you know, that I really, really hope that touches that one person who is on the verge, right on the cusp. And helps them change their mind. But that's what it was. It was kind of like a big like, well, you can't, I won't be on your show. Then I'm just going to start my own podcast. And that's exactly how it started. It was kind of like a big like, eh, you know, to my friend who I did do her podcast like a couple months later. I was compelled to do it. I was compelled to speak to people and to have them hear my story so they don't live, if they can avoid it, live the same life I lived while getting help. Is there something in particular about the medium that you think draws you to doing a podcast versus say a video chat? Or do you think, you know, like, do you think that being a podcast specifically makes a difference in how people access this content? I think it could be a little bit more private. You can have it on your headphones and there's not something, well, I mean, if they have whatever dances across the screen, but you can black that out. Um, it's, it can be a little bit more intimate that way. I'm thinking about the whole YouTube situation and I'm not sure I'm ready for that yet. I think that right now, I mean, I've reached over 60 countries. My numbers are, well, you know, the numbers that we get statistically, I'm on a move and I think it's doing exactly what it needs to be doing right now. However, YouTube is not out of the question. I just, the tech for me right now, and I need to build up my equipment in order to do that. So it's, I can't do it quite yet, but it's definitely on the back burner. And so there's a podcaster. His name is Dave Jackson. He runs a school of podcasts. He's a friend of mine. And he always has this thing that says, because of my podcast, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> people grow a show, they get an audience, they get downloads, but there's always secondary benefits. And I'm wondering if you've seen any secondary benefits of having this podcast, whether it's personally, whether it's interactions with others, whether you've networked with other people or, or you know, I'm just curious, what has having this podcast done for you in terms of new experiences? Like all of the above, I've met some amazing podcasters. The camaraderie within the podcasting community, what I've experienced anyway, is amazing. It's like a family that just kind of take you in and we all give each other, you know, tricks and tips and stuff like that. And it's been invaluable. As far as my personal life goes, it keeps me accountable is what it does. There's been times where over Christmas, especially where I have a hard time. And thoughts of going into the hospital were like running through my head and thoughts of, you know, just ways to get out of like living my life through Christmas time, not suicide, but just to go inpatient. And then I was like, I can't do that to my listeners because what are they going to do without me? You know, it's like, I don't want them to have a sucky Christmas because I'm, you know, gone away and don't wish them all a happy holiday season. So it's done that. And then on another thing, it's actually made me very, very self-confident and sure of myself where I always haven't had great self-esteem. And now, like, I walk through town and I'm like, 
I'm that podcaster chick they're all talking about while my dog is dancing with me, you know, but it's done a lot for me. And I've have gotten some personal letters and stuff from people that the show has touched. I mean, they were very private and, you know, I have helped people and it's extremely humbling to know that I have that power to help somebody make a decision, which is the better decision. You know, it's super humbling. So yeah, the podcast has been amazing. It's like a whole new life I never knew existed prior to the podcast. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm curious because this is something I come across with, with a lot of different podcasts, especially those that focus around causes is that, you know, you want to raise awareness so that people who might start to see those signals that you talked about earlier, some of the signs that we were indicating, will know to get help. But how do you get people to listen to a show if they don't know that they need to listen to the show? Right? Like, yeah. if you're not diagnosed bipolar and looking for content about it, like, how do you get someone to listen to a show about this that would be ideal for it because it might help them avoid lots of problems and get treatment and, and medicine and help earlier. Right. I'm hoping I have the right tags and SEO on my show is really what I'm hoping. It's kind of a crapshoot. I actually joined Reddit and I joined a whole bunch of bipolar groups and I was already on Facebook. And then I joined Twitter, which, you know, I think is really kind of helping because I joined a lot of other mental health people so we have our own community of about, I don't know, 60 to 100 people that were all strictly focused on mental health. And we retweet and retweet each other and all that. But I have my own um, website. So it's like dancingwithbipolar.com, which has a lot of resources on it. So if people after this want to go and check it out, the resources on the back page are all the suicide lines internationally so that it's there for anybody just in case. I also went to my behavioral health center and asked them if I could put a flyer up on their bulletin board to let them know that, you know, the show was on and if people that go there could listen to it, which few of them have, and they've actually asked to be on the show, which is great. And the rest of it is you just have got to promote your baby all the time. And there was a lot of PR work that goes into this that people don't think about at the on shoot. And I set up a Facebook group. And like I said, I connected with all these other groups and I share my videos and I have feedback come to my Facebook page that lets me know that people are definitely listening to it through, you know, through how I have it on Facebook. So, I mean, other than that, I was going to start advertising. Actually, I was going to go into like journals for, you know, bipolar journals or schizophrenic or mental health journals and actually start placing ads was something that I had thought about. And um, I'm grateful I didn't have to quite go that route yet because I can't afford it. But, you know, in the next year or so, if the show keeps growing like it is, it will not be a problem to start, you know, putting ads out on my own. So, but other than that, you just got to keep on pushing it. Every other word is my podcast. I swear to God, it is. My friends is going to be so sick and tired because it's like, what's up? Thought? And they're like, oh, we know the podcast. And I'm like, look, you know, <laughs> I mean, I love my friends. and They've been really, really awesome to me as they've watched this thing grow with me. But um, I'm sure that there's some days where they're just like, oh, my God, she's going to make us listen to her jingle again. Or she's going to take us, you know, do this again. My numbers are growing, so apparently I did something right. You know, I went through and I tried to find all the international podcasting distribution to make sure my show was on it, which took forever. But it was worth it because as soon as I was on Deezer, my numbers like jumped, they doubled. So I think I'm doing something right. They're not falling. So I think I'm on the right path. That's great. Yeah. So before I get to the charity that you want to support here, 
if somebody's hearing this, they're thinking about doing a podcast, they're thinking about how to best support their cause, what advice would you give for them? You know, what, what things you learned in your venture that you'd want to help somebody else out with? Yeah, have your ducks in a row before you do this, because you're going to get into it. And then all of a sudden you're going to be like, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. There's a lot of work to it. From what I understand, there's something you can do that's called pre-promotion before you actually drop your show. So you, you know, have an audience waiting for you, which I kind of wish I had known about that, but I didn't realize it is going to take more time than you can even imagine between the front end and the back end of it. Get your tech together. I'm still doing it on my phone. I do have a laptop here right now, which I finally got from a listener actually sent me the laptop. Thank you, whoever it was. Hmm. And, um, yeah, I don't know who sent it to me. They sent it anonymously. It was just kind of like, wow. But yeah, and then if your cause, make sure that you know what you're talking about. Like I live with bipolar, so it's easy for me to be able to pull from my own resources. But if you're going to have a cause for something that you've not experienced yourself, make sure you understand it inside and out, upside down, backwards, forwards, before you start your podcast. Because somebody's going to ask you a question and you're going to be caught. And you're not going to be able to answer it. And it's going to show that you're not the expert you think you are on it. So you have to, even me, I live with bipolar every day. I'm reading bipolar journals. I'm in books. I'm listening to, you know, TED Talks and all this stuff to keep myself abreast of what's the news coming with it. Because I can tell you all about myself. But if you want to know about the new medications coming out, which anyway, we won't talk about medication, but the new medication or the new, like say therapy that's coming out or the new this, I want to know about it first. So like if they come to me and ask me questions, I can give them at least an intelligent answer back, you know? And if I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, if you're going to become a podcaster, expect to lose half your life because it's going to become your pet. Wow. We'll put a more positive spin on that though. Expect it to... <laughs> Expect to I mean, spend, good, spend half spend your time enjoying time. yourself producing podcasts. Exactly. And talking <laughs> to people that you can't see and having your neighbors think you're absolutely lunatic when you're talking to yourself all day long and there's nobody at your house. No, it's a positive experience. It really, really is. But just be prepared for the amount of time that goes into it. The networking is great. You're going to meet a whole bunch of awesome people. There's a bunch of fantastic podcasts out there that I'm not even going to start to list them all because I would forget somebody and then I would feel bad. It's a fun environment. Just expect to spend some time on it. It's not a five-minute deal. All right. And so we always like to ask our guests if there's a particular charity or nonprofit they want to support. And so you want us to put a link to Unmasking Hope. This is a documentary on trauma survival. So we will put a link here in the show notes to them. And folks who mm -hmm. want to support it can. But tell us a little bit about this documentary and why it's so important to you. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I got this podcast guest through Podcast Guests, which a lot of us probably belong to. And I was really hesitant on it first because what he talked about for his, his trauma was that he had survived a fire, which is a huge trauma. When I went to interview him, my first thought was, I don't want to focus on this fire the whole time, even though I realized that was his epiphany moment when he decided what he was going to do to help people. So I interviewed Eric Christensen, who has also done, oh my gosh, what's the name of it? Walking, something like Walking Home or something like that, the Vietnam vet story where he talked about how they came back traumatized. Now, when I saw the trailer to Unmasking Hope, there was something so visceral that hit me in it. And I don't know what it is. And even before I talked to him, I was like, I want to help this man get this film out there just from the trailer alone. It was just like one of those gut punch moments where you're like, oh my God, 
there's a reason why I'm talking to him and there's a reason why the universe connected us together. Why, you know, I mean, why things flowed the way that they did. Now in the movie, he talks to six different people about separate traumas that they have experienced. One was a riot cop, a soldier, sexual abuse victim. I think that there's an alcoholic in there. The other two, which I don't know what they are because he doesn't have them on the bottom of it yet for the advertisement for his movie. But then when I talked to him and he was so genuine about it and about how he feels about the people he films, I was like, this is exactly how I feel about my podcast guests. Like we become family, like we become one and I want to help them out. But I'm telling you, when this thing comes out, people are going to be moved I mean, just the trailer alone, it's on YouTube, it's out there, Unmasking Hope. And if you don't get a visceral response to it, then you're not awake. Yeah, I want to help him get it out there because this documentary he's doing can help so many more people than just I can with my podcast. I mean, he can get it out there in theaters and win awards and really bring the face of trauma and how people make it through trauma and, you know, how it is that we all have that epiphany moment where we're in it and we're there and we can choose to go one way or we can choose to go the other way. And both Eric and I would love to see people go the other way and go into the positive side of what trauma brings to you from experiences. So just the trailer alone, and I haven't gotten to see any more of it. He keeps teasing me saying, because he's on location, that he's going to send me some, but he, he's not. He's just teasing me with uh, more of the movie for me to see. <laughs> so, Well, it's called Unmasking Hope. And if you go to Unmasking Hope, the movie, you'll find a trailer and there's a link to donate to help them get this off the ground and launch. So Dawn Shireen, thank you so much for taking some time to tell us a little bit about your podcast, Dancing with Bipolar, and about this documentary, UnmaskingHopeTheMovie.com, again, if you want to check that out. And thank you so much for sharing and opening up and giving us some wisdom here on CausePods today. Well, you're welcome, Matt. It was awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. I want to take a moment and thank the newest team member, producer Caroline Quash, who does an amazing job with scheduling of guests, finding particular guests, making sure that everything gets posted properly and making sure that everything, she just helps to keep the trains moving. I don't know if I can continue to do this project without her. So thank you, Caroline, for everything you do. And again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support the cause. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Follow us on social media and join the special Facebook group dedicated to you folks who are producing podcasts for a cause. So if you're already producing said podcast or if you're thinking about launching one, join the group. We have provided some resources. We're going to look to provide even more. And hopefully we're going to arrange some special nonprofit pricing of various podcast service vendors to help you with your venture and keep you under budget. And lastly, if you are a cause potter, someone who produces a podcast for a cause and want to join me for an interview, please, please check out the form at causepods.org. Once approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you do with the cause pod audience. Thanks again and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.